Okay, let's do a good one. So, Great Jewish Inspiration, page 59. This was a very, very good picture that I had found to go with a very good quote from Rav Huttner. Rav Huttner wrote a letter, a famous letter, to a student who needed encouragement after a personal setback. This is arguably Rav Huttner's most famous letter. Uh, Bacher wrote Rav Huttner a letter saying that he's depressed, he did Averis, and uh, he feels like that he's never going to be able to be a gadol anymore, he lost his chance because he sinned and he's not perfect, etc. And Rav Huttner writes back a pretty long letter, and he, first of all, he breaks down the entire Bacher's premise, and he says that you think that in order to be a gadol, you have to be perfect. And the truth is that if you read Gedalian biographies, that is the message I think that all of us would come away from uh, these books because the books always have a very similar, I shouldn't say always, but very often have a very similar background that they were raised by parents that are very holy and then they, uh, they were able to master Shas by their bar mitzvah and uh, they were able to uh, uh, commit the entire uh, Shulchan Aruch to memory by 15, and uh, they got married at this age, and they had perfect, everything was perfect. So you believe that in order to be a gadol, you have to be just a malach. If you have any, like, sordid, checkered background, uh, it's impossible for you to ever become a gadol. And if you have a Yetzirah, that really is a horrible thing, and, uh, and, and, and nothing will ever amount to such a person in terms of greatness in learning and greatness in leadership. Rav Huttner says that the opposite is true, and that you are wrong in your assumption that in order to be a gadol, you have to, as he puts it, sit al menuchais be sitting on tranquil waters, everything perfect, all the, the conditions are just right, the weather is right, and the, uh, you have the right svarim, and the right air conditioning, and the right heat in the winter, and the right chavrusa, the right rebbe, the right yeshiva, the right uh, amount of money, everything has to be perfect, and then I'll be able to learn. If anything is imperfect, then, it's not, then I'm not going to be able to succeed in learning. And he says the exact opposite is true. He says what makes a gadol into a gadol is precisely the challenges that they had to go through, the struggles that they had to prevail over to get to that level of greatness. It's like saying, you know, I want to really look pumped. I want to like be buff and, uh, you know, have a, have a body that's like perfect. But I want to eat donuts and I want to, you know, I just want to lounge around all day and, uh, and not ever go to the gym. We know that that's not the way it works. You have to go through a lot of pain, get into, wake up early in the morning, go on that treadmill, go on that elliptical, go on that bicycle, and go and really like just work hard for a very long period of time. And maybe then you'll begin to start looking the way you want to look. And the same is true for, for becoming a gadol, becoming a tamachacham. It's the effort that's put in. It's the amount of Yetzirah that you have to uh, overcome to get to where you are. He says that the Chavetz Chaim, everyone looks at the Chavetz Chaim like he's a Kaddish Merechem, he's a child that he was already born in holiness, 
he never did anything wrong. He was a Malach Hashem Tzvakas. I think that would be a fair assumption how we would all describe the Chavetz Chaim. And, and in fact, he was. But he says, who knows how many struggles he had to go through in terms of Shmir Salashan, we think of the Chavetz Chaim, it was a layup for him. He never had a struggle with, with speaking perfectly. You know, Lashnar was never an issue for him, so he went and wrote a book about how to, how to do it also. It's not true. He says, we don't know the amount of duress, the amount of, of strenuous um, personal efforts it took for him to overcome the Yitzhahara of Lashnara. And that's what made him great. Chavetz Chaim became great because he was challenged, because nothing came easy to him. But we know when you're faced with Nisyanis, that's when you actually build muscles. That's when you get stronger. Uh, and you, as the saying goes, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So Gedalim, he says, you have to rethink everything. They have a very big Yitzhahara. In fact, the Gemara tells us that Kalagadol Mechavera Yitzray Gadol Himenu. Whoever is bigger than his friend, he has a bigger Yetzirah. So you think that, you know, you look at a Gadol, uh, a book of G'dayli Yisrael, like this book, and you think, wow, these are people that they all do not have a Yetzirah. I never can never be this way because I have a huge Yetzirah. They don't understand the Taivas that I have. They don't understand what, I, what keeps me up at night. They don't understand the challenges of Shmir Sinaim that I have. But the Gemara says that the greater the person actually, the greater his Yetzirah is. So they understand perhaps better than we do what Yetzirah is. The only difference between them and us is that they fight the Yetzirah, and they, they don't just uh, succumb every time to the Yetzirah's will, but, we, but they are able to be Meisinefesh, to fight it, and ultimately to prevail over it. He ends the letter, Rav Hutner does, with a metaphor of a successful life being like a road that curves with many unexpected twists and turns along the way until we arrive at our destinations. This is the quote that I uh, put in the book. The path to glory is not a straight one. It winds like a serpent on the road. You see the cool picture? It's like a, a snake path on the road. I don't know if you can see from where you are, but it's basically a really cool picture. You see a truck driving on it. And it's uh, like a very, very curvy road, and it looks a, a lot like a serpent, actually. That's the way the path to glory looks. It's not going to be a straight line. If you think that it's going to be just straight line, you know, just going from point A to point B without ever having to veer to the left or to the right, and that's how you're going to be a guddle, and short of that, it's impossible, that's not the way it works. Or Futner is telling us that the path to glory is not a straight one. Quite the opposite. It winds like a serpent on the road. If anyone, you know, yesterday was the Super Bowl. So if anyone watched the Super Bowl, or if they heard about this, or if you've ever watched a football game in your life, then you know that it doesn't work. You can't get a touchdown by running, at least. Maybe you could do a Hail Mary, but you can't get a touchdown uh, by just, like, running straight. Because it doesn't work that way. People, if you just keep running straight, they're going to tackle you the first second that, that the ball is in play. What do you got to do? You got to sneak to the right, sneak to the left, like move, you move your linebackers one way and do, a, do a, a throw that they weren't expecting the other way and then pass it short, pass it long, run with it yourself if you're the quarterback. 
these are things, yeah, it's not a straight line. You don't get the touchdown. You don't go into the end zone just by doing a straight and narrow thing. It's, that's, it's not going to work. It's boring, and that's not life. It's not reality. So Rav Hudnu is telling this boy that don't get upset at yourself that you slipped up, that you did an Aver, which the letter doesn't tell us what it is, it doesn't matter, but don't get upset at yourself and don't like right away throw in the towel and say, ach, I'm never going to be a Gadol, I might as well just put away my uh, Svarim and stop, uh, stop trying to be an Eved Hashem because I'll never attain greatness in any capacity now that I'm a failure in life and, and, and with, with the Yitzhahara that has beaten me time and again. Rav says the exact opposite. Obviously, we don't look to give in to the Yitzhar. We don't look to do Averis. But sometimes it happens that we're not able to overcome our Taivas and we give in. And the question is, what do we do the morning after? How do we deal with it after we do an Avera? What happens next? So a Gadol is somebody who immediately does Tshuva. And as soon as he does Tshuva, uh, he doesn't re think about that Avera, just it's gone. I did something last night, I'm not proud of it, I'm doing, a, I'm doing the process of tshuva, whatever that process is, and I'm just looking forward, I'm just moving straight in life. The Rambam says that the, um, the way of a Tamar Chacham is different than the way of a regular Amaretz. A Tamar Chacham, the Gemara says, that in Raya Tamar Chacham, Sha'avra Avera Balayla, if you see a Tamar Chacham and he's, he's gone, he's, done, he's performed an Avera at night, whatever the Avera might be, you saw him going into a, a movie theater, a very bad movie theater, you saw a Tamar Chacham do something that was completely, did not, was not appropriate for him. Al Yahara Bayayim, Achra Bayayim, don't, Think about it the next morning. I mean, you wake up and you say, oh my gosh, remember I saw that Tamil Chacham, you know, last night doing such and such a thing? Don't, don't question him the next day. Don't say, hey, how could you? Because he for sure has done Shuva already. That's what a Tamil Chacham does. I do an Avera, okay? I'm not proud of it. I'm very upset with myself, but I do Shuva. I say, listen, Hashem, I'm sorry that it happened. It's not going to happen again. And I'm being Misvada. I'm confessing with my. Uh, my, with my mouth that I will not do this again, chatasi, avisi, pashati, and that's it, it's gone. What does an Amaritz do when they, when they do a chet? So they don't do tshuva, what do they do? They focus on it. They focus on it, exactly. They, the Sahara is not only there to like make you do the sin, he also doubles down after the sin. That's really when he moves in for the kill. It's one thing that you succumbed in that moment of passion for in doing that Avera, let's say last night. But this morning you wake up and you feel awful and you feel dirty, you feel sorry. I'm not going to davening. Look what I did last night. I'm not going to say there. How could I? How could I sit with my chavrusa? He's going to be looking at me, and you know he's a holy guy, and I'm just a bum. And so you don't go to second. You don't go to first day. You're not going to go to second day. You're not going to go to college. You're not going to go to to night day. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The Yitzhar loves that. A tamachacham is not the tamachacham. Do an avera, own up to it, and be mahara b'tshuva, or do a real tshuva, and then you just move on. You're good. You're 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 good with Hashem again. You made up. You moved. You separated a little bit. You made up. You got closer again, and now you go further down the path with Hashem. That's how tamachacham operates. So, this is what uh, is is so important for us 
to always think about in life that we have to be able to try to avoid Averis at all costs, yes. But when we are actually in violation of an Aver, when we do it, whatever the Aver might be, we have to do tshuva and then move on. Do tshuva and move on. I, I, I find sometimes myself on Yom Kippur, as I'm clapping the many, many alchets, you know, I don't know how many there are, but probably, uh, I don't know, 100 alchets maybe, I don't know how much, how many, anyone know how many alchets there are, but, you know, but this, but that, and sometimes if you're reading, like the Arts Girl Machser or one of these other publications that have a description of what the alchet is about, and then it gives like sub averis. You ever see this? Or by like Ashamnu, it gives like a whole list of averis that I might have done with olives. And then with and then Bagadnu, I have a whole list of things. Like literally, you know, a hundred different things that start with a, an aver that starts with a letter base, etc. And sometimes they're very graphic. Sometimes they say, and you know, and I did this, and I, I I stole that, and I looked at that, and I was reading this type of material. And I remember when I was like a bacher, I would read these things. And I would start thinking to myself, on Yom Kippur, oh yeah, I remember I talk, uh, read that, and that I shouldn't have looked at that picture, and I, I shouldn't have read that, and I shouldn't have gone there, and I shouldn't have talked to that person. And, you know, and in the meantime, so the whole Yom Kippur, I'm spending like sort of just like waiting in my own, in my own dirt. That's not what Yom Kippur is all about. Yom Kippur is not a time you should uh, you know, go and, like, and like really like relive all of the bad images in your brain. You should... March over them, like transcend them. So you do, you clap alchet and you, and you mean it, but you don't have to like get into the nitty gritty and start, because it's going to very often trigger bad thoughts in your mind on Yom Kippur. That's another ploy of the Eitzar on top of all the other tricks up his sleeve. He also gets you on Yom Kippur with the alchets. So the way to do it is to just, you did something wrong, do tshuva, and you move on. And that's it. You just keep on marching forward and you don't think about it because if you think about it, you're going to get depressed or sometimes if you think about it, you're going to want to do it again because you say, wait, I, I did it. I did, wasn't struck by lightning. I was able to you know, live with myself after. So I'll do it again and again and again. So you have to like just do tshuva and move on. But you should know that just because you're, you slipped up and you did this Avera, does not mean in any which way that you have dropped the ball in terms of being a Bentaira and dropped the ball in, being, in terms of being a Gadol because it's actually quite the opposite. If you're able to respond and react to the Avera that you've done in the proper way, at that moment you are perhaps closer to being a Gadol than any other moment in your life. Because the mark of a Gadol is somebody that is able to struggle, challenge. That means that they might lose some of the battles, but they're going to win the war. They'll lose the battle, they'll win the war. They'll, they'll lose some skirmishes. No one ever won every single battle in every single war. You see in Eretz Yisrael, they're winning, you know, they're doing well in Gaza, but that doesn't mean they didn't win every battle. They, they lost over 200 soldiers. They lost uh, a lot of hostages. They lost, uh, you know, they lost over 1,000 lives on October 7th. Not every battle could be won. You win some and you lose some. But you have to try to win more than you lose. And that's how it works with the Sahara. You're going to lose some battles. Yes, you will lose. That's the way it works. That's the way of the world. But after losing the battle is an opportunity to emerge more victorious. 
based on how you deal with the loss that you had. If you're going to learn a lesson from it, you're going to improve yourself and not succumb to it next time around, then, it's, then that's the way to respond. And if you are not able to do that, then that is not going to be uh, what is the way of a gadol. Okay, let's do another piece. I want to try to find something that's sort of related to that. Here's a good one. Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky was a, uh, he lived from 1886 to 1976, a brilliant, brilliant, off the charts, brilliant Torah scholar. He wrote a very large set of svarim that we have in yeshiva called Chazayin Yecheskel. Chazayin Yecheskel is a sefer written on the Taisefta, or like all the brises, you know, whenever you learn Gemara and it says the Sanya, and you say it's a brise, okay, where are these brises? The brises are found in what's in a sefer called Taisefta, and what this great, brilliant rabbi did was he took all of the brises on each mesefta and he wrote a running commentary on it. And this is what he looks like, by the way. Uh, and he lived in Yerushalayim at the end of his life. He was in Siberia for, for a while in terrible conditions, but... He said as follows. He said, we know, I don't know if he said this, if this is my line, but we know that there is a book of life. Everyone knows Sefer Achayim. It's a book of life. But you might not realize that your life is a book. Your life is a book. If you stop and think about that, that's an incredible thing. Every person's life is a book. This is the book of a person's life. Which means that if you think about it, you know, sometimes you have these books that are written after a person dies, a Gubble book or a biography of a, a president, a prime minister. You know, they all have either autobiographies or biographies, like very impressive volumes on an entire person's life from childhood till death, all their big accomplishments, all their failures, all their uh, great times, bad times with pictures throughout the book, imagine for a second that there, was be, there will be such a book about you written, someday you're going to have a, somebody's going to write a book about you. Is that an interesting thought? You think it's possible? So the truth is that it is possible because every person, every single person, even if there's no book written about him down here, in Shemaim there's a book about every person's life. But imagine, let's use our imagination for a second, that you know that there's going to be a book written about you after you die, or maybe when you turn 90, they're going to write a book about you. So what do you, knowing that, how would that change your life today? If you know that in 70 years from now, there's going to be a book written about you, would you do anything different today? Would you lead your life in a different way? I would. If I really believe that, I, would, so I have to fill up the book. I've got to make this book a book worth reading. So I'm going to do a lot of good. I'm going to join an organization or start an organization that distributes uh, 
you know, food to the hungry and clothes to the to to, to the homeless people. And I'm going to learn like crazy. I want to be a big time chacham. I want to put out a lot of svarim. And I want to have a nice family. And I want to have a I don't know, be a leader of my community. Maybe start a shul. Maybe uh, uh, you know, do something great with my life because my life is not just a mediocre regular life. My life is a book. Rebchatzko Abramsky says he advised people to keep this vision in mind throughout the chapters of their lives so that the book they write becomes a masterpiece. The quote is, view each day as a page in your autobiography. Let's say today, we can either look at it as another random Monday, and next week Bamber Girl will be here again on another Monday, and then another Monday, and, you know, so it's just a Monday, it's just a regular Monday, and then Tuesday is, you know, half a day, and it's this, and it's Friday, is that, and, you know, every, you could just, like, sort of, like, go through your whole life, and every day is a bland, regular day, nothing special, I'm not building, in, building up for anything important, I'm just, like, trying to, to get through the day, and get through life, and, and call it a day. Rav Chatzko said, if you look at your life as an autobiography, that I'm writing the pages of my life. I want to make this book interesting. I want this book to show the secrets, the steps to succeed in life. So my, when it speaks about my childhood, it'll show me in a certain light. And then when I, I came to Lander College and I steigt and I went to Shiurim and I went to Vaden and I went to Shmuz and I was here on Shabbos, I was here on Yantiv and I grew and I went to the Tisha and I, and I was good to other people and I started a, a club and I did a society and I did... And then I graduated, and I graduated, and then I got a, this terrific job, and I started this amazing organization, and I got married to a great woman, and I had a beautiful family, and I built a, you know, a shul in my lo- whatever it is. But you could do that. The only difference between you and somebody that's actually doing it is that that person that's actually doing it lives with a notion of what they call a legacy. And you have to ask yourself, what is my legacy going to be in life? What do, I want to rem- what do I want people to think about me at the end of my life? How are, how are people going to look at me? And that's a thought that you have to have today. And then you have to like build, like work backwards to try to figure out how to attain that legacy. So if, if let's say a guy is, he wants his legacy to be uh, that he was a great spokesman, a great politician, a great statesman. So then he would probably have to go to a certain type of university and chashva pedigree and then, you know, try to run for a local government and then try to get into more national government and eventually, like, climb the ladder until he becomes a senator, a congressman, a president, a vice president. That's one way of attaining a legacy. You want to be a, a very wealthy man, you got to do a different thing. You have to take a different approach to getting into a certain field that's going to enable you to make a fortune of money, and that's another legacy. If you want to be a Talmud Chacham, you have to learn yeshiva and you have to be a masmid and a lamb and you have to get your skills and you got to get your, you know, your, your, your ability to chazer again and again. And all the, but whatever it is that you want your book to be about, now's the time to begin thinking about how to write that book. And you have to be motivated and you have to really want it so badly that every single day, I can't waste. I don't have time to waste. I'm going to accomplish a great deal every day. Every day is another page of my autobiography. And I want the autobiography to be great. I want it to be able to be like, wow, that guy lived a life worth living. Sometimes a guy, you go to a Levaya for some people, and 
It's like you wonder, like, what do they do? Like, no one, there's no one there. No one cared to come. And, you know, they have very little family, very little friends, very little... The rabbi doesn't even know the person. He has nothing to say about the word. Like, this guy lived a whole life, but no one knows anything about it. He didn't really accomplish anything that anyone knows or cares about. Sometimes you go to a Levaya, you know, you go to Matisseo Solomon's Levaya. He was the Mashkiach in Lakewood, and he, uh, you know, thousands and th- tens of thousands of people came... He wrote Svarim. He started this fight against technology. He was able to be the Mashkiach in Gateshead, Mashkiach in Lakewood. He was able to have an impact on tens of thousands of lives. And that's a life worth living. That's an amazing life. We can all live a life like that, but you're at a perfect age that you can right, away, right now like sit and plot like in a war room, like how you're going to be able to get to the point that you are going to be able to look back at the end of your life and say, wow, that, that was really a, a life worth living. I don't, my, the biggest nightmare that I have is that I'll get old and, you know, and, and infirm and like I'll look back and say, man, like I blew it. I blew it. Like I could have done so much more with my time, with my resources, with my, with my mind, with my, and I wasted it. I blew it. I, I just spent time doing nothing. That's a, that's a nightmare. But few are the people that are able to look back at the end of life and say, that was a good life. That was really a good, look what I accomplished. I did great in my life. I, it wasn't easy for me. I had a lot of challenges like we spoke about in the first, the first quote. It was difficult. I was constantly challenged. I had eight Saharas and I had physical challenges, emotional challenges, family challenges. I had so much against me, but I pushed through and I was able to battle the Yitzhar and battle my haters and battle all the things that were impediments to my growth. And I look at what I developed. Look at what I, what I made of myself. That's a special life, a life that you're able to look back and say, Baruch Hashem, I did it. I accomplished my mission in life. I know what I was put here for, and I did it. Was it a perfect life? No, it wasn't a perfect We don't have, need an autobiography that's whitewashed and that's perfect. Part of the biography that I would want to write is, the autobiography that I would, is like, with all, with, 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 with all, warts and all, with all of the chesrenas that, you know, that we may have had, that's okay, but I overcame them, and I worked on them, and I got better at them, and, and I was able to uh, maybe not get it perfect, but I was able to get it a whole lot better day by day. And so these are things that are thoughts that I hope will stay with you, and maybe will motivate you, inspire you to look at life a little bit differently. Don't look at it just passing time and letting days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years without accomplishing anything concrete. Make a battle plan. A battle plan had to, had to work against the Yitzhah and the forces that are against you, but also a battle plan for how to attain greatness in life. What do I want to do? What, what career do I want to go for? What's going to make me happy and successful and, be, and feel proud uh, of my accomplishments? What can I do to raise the, the bar on who I am and who I will be? That's something that, Baruch Hashem, if, you're, if I was talking to this, about this in an old age home, it would be it would be like Lego Rush would be very not nice because like I'm making everybody squirm by those questions. But I'm I'm telling it to young, very, you know, good, solid Yeshiva Bachram and at a point in life that you could actually accomplish great things and you could set your goals as high as you want them to be. And so this is like the perfect place, the perfect setting to learn these letters together, these inspirational quotes together. And in Mitzvah Hashem, you'll have the ability to act on them and we will all be beneficiaries.